This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Colin Morikawa defeats the strongest field in golf, Winning in a place he's very comfortable and is your 2020 PGA champion. Hello, welcome into At The Turn. Nick, the young man got it done on his home soil. What a what a fun tournament to watch and what an awesome win for Colin Morikawa. I mean, just let's start with the leaderboard. Most of this back nine on Sunday, there was like six guys tied for the lead and it really didn't feel like there was one person who had who it was theirs to lose who had the clear cut advantage so it was really fun to see like okay for a while you're waiting for somebody to take a lead nobody took a lead then then instead of three guys tied for the lead it was four five six guys tied for the lead a couple guys started dropping off and then all of a sudden late on that back nine um Colin Morikawa chipped in for birdie on 15 Really, within two strokes, two consecutive strokes, he won the tournament. The chip in for birdie on 15, and then his drive where he left himself, I think, a seven-foot eagle putt on 16. After that, the tournament was over, and it was awesome to see him. He only probably needed birdie on that 16th hole, but he went ahead and rolled in the eagle putt, and then it was it was just a, a commanding finish, and he looked so comfortable. So, uh, Joe another awesome PGA championship. I mean, you look at the names that he defeated, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau, Justin Rose, Xander Schauffele. You only have an actual couple major wins among those guys, but they're always the guys that have been among the leaders in majors the past several years. I'm not surprised that Morikawa is the winner. I'm just surprised how many people had a chance to win this tournament down the stretch and how he was able to actually separate himself doing it in dramatic fashion because people were throwing out these scenarios of we're going to have a six-man playoff, a seven-man playoff, and it was crazy tight Which for a long period. Which would have been period. awesome. <laughs> but after that eagle, it's kind of over. 
like, unless Morikawa made a big mistake, the tournament was kind of over at that point. It was over. It it was over. I mean, he made that eagle. Um, I think he just parred the last two holes and won by two. So, I, I mean, really, he was never in jeopardy of, of not winning the tournament after that. And I turned it on. I think the leaders were on the eighth hole. We had some family over. We had a family dinner. And, God, I couldn't get him out of here quick enough. And I'm like, I, I got to turn on the golf. I'm sorry. Um, but I turned it on. And it, I was just trying to digest who was going to win. And I think the first guy, after maybe 15 minutes of, of kind of taking in, getting the context, was Tony Fina, one of your picks. And I know, I know obviously, obviously, my pick won the thing, but Tony Finau was really impressive all week and and even throughout the back nine on Sunday. Yeah, that's the thing. And what I liked about this tournament was it doesn't feel like someone lost this tournament. Morikawa went out and won it, right? Like, there wasn't a collapse. There wasn't anything terrible that happened. Everyone was tightly bunched up, and someone did the extraordinary thing to separate themselves from a field plane in extraordinary fashion. It was the lowest round in the history of the PGA Championship. I think the average was something like 69.25. Yeah. It was the field stroke average out there. It was They were taking this place apart. It was funny. I missed most of the end of the tournament because Blazers sucked. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I watched <laughs> a lot of the early coverage, and the broadcasters were giving Jordan Spieth a lot of guts because he was out early and he said a 30 was available on the back nine and they were kind of making fun of him. Morikawa got damn close. He shot 31 on the back to win this thing. And that's what yeah. I like about it. Someone went out and grabbed this tournament. It wasn't given to someone like when Sergio won the Masters in 2017. Well, some majors are remembered via the highlights for a collapse, like you mentioned. This one, when they show one shot that sums up the tournament and the win, it'll be Morikawa's drive on 16, but I'm going to pose a question to you, and I'm, I'm assuming you've gone back and seen the highlights and seen all the shots. Yeah. Which shot was a better shot for that, that really gave him the win or should be the shot of the tournament? The drive on 16 or the hole out for Birdie on 15 after he kind of left himself a little bit out of position? Well, as impressive as the drive is on 16, and that's what put it away, the chipping on 15 is more impressive because... A lot of times when you're hitting a tee shot into a short par four, unless you like fly the ball there and it stops, a lot of it is on the bounce and how the, if, whether or not the ball releases and the conditions of the course. So as impressive as that was, and even though that was the shot that probably will be the one that they show when they look back in the 2020 PGA Championship, I would argue that the chipping was more impressive. No, I agree 100%, which is why I bring it up, because they keep showing the drive, which I I. Definitely, I get it. Um, but the chip-in, I mean, you don't expect the chip-in. Like, you don't stand over that shot saying, is he going to make it? But you stand over that tee shot thinking, like, he's putting this on the green. And, yeah, he hit it to seven feet. And, and obviously, the fact that he made the putt makes it that much more impressive. And an eagle, as you know, that I know, an eagle is better than a birdie. But the chip-in was so much, it was such a defining moment because it's a young guy He's been on tour for 13 months or whatever it is, and he's in the middle of his back nine trying to win a major, and he's out of position after, an, I think he was like 110 yards out, and he left himself like 20 yards to the short right of the green, just a pretty bad shot. And uh, instead of collapsing, he holes out, and then 
the very next swing essentially captures the tournament. Do you want to get to the Colin Morikawa in context conversation? Well, I mean, I do. I mean, whenever somebody wins a major, we just we just hand them like three or four more. Like they go, to, they, they, they go to Costco and you can't just get one major. You, you get like two or four at a time. Um, so I'll just put the question on to you. How, how many majors for, for Colin Morikawa? A couple. A couple. I mean, the barometer that I use is Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson is the second best player of this century, and he's won five majors. It's really hard to win majors. It is so hard. Ask Dustin Johnson how hard it is to win majors. It's really difficult to win these tournaments. And even if Morikawa goes the way of, you know, a Jordan Spieth and has an incredible start to his career, it's tough to sustain that. Same with Rory, Brooks. Like, it's really tough to win major golf tournaments. So I don't want to put too much on him, but but if you look at his record up until this point, he is in that Tiger Jack territory. He had the 22 straight made cuts to start the career. He's won three times, including a major championship already. There's no reason to doubt his credentials. He had the lowest 36-hole total to close a major in the history of of major championship golf. So it's not like this young man has done anything for us not to believe him. It's just that it's really tough to win these tournaments, man. It's tough to do. And as impressive as he is, I can't sit here and hand him a half dozen majors. I mean, that's how many Nick Faldo, Lee Trevino has won. Like, that's like top, top, top 10 all-time kind of territory. How many you giving him? I think uh, I think three. I think he's going to have a very Jordan Spieth career. I mean, he's off to an incredible start. He's got the game. He's got the talent. But like you said, it's it's so hard to sustain. I mean, the the list of guys we've handed dozens of majors to, or half dozens. I mean, Jason Day, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth. I mean, some of them have multiple majors. You know, some of them were one and done. Like, who's that guy I hate who won the Masters like five years ago? I mean, like, Reed. no, the other one, Danny Willett. <laughs> Danny Willett. Oh my Why god! Why do you hate I, Danny Willett? He's done I don't know. nothing He's, to you. No, nothing. But I just he won my Masters. Um, so you know, it's it's hard. It's it's so reactionary. Twenty four hours after the event to say, uh, you know, what's going to happen. But uh, he's got the game. He's had a, a great. First year, a great start to his second year on tour. Um, if he can sustain it for the next couple of years, great. But um, nobody's even really sustained it for 10 years. Um, you know, short of Rory's even fallen off a little bit now. Joe, what is going on over there? Yeah, I'm fighting with my cat. He's in here, and he's just being a destructive force below me. I'm trying to – I'm, tr- I'm, I'm going to get through it. Big guy okay. is out of control. Well, I think we've, I think we've uh, predicted – Kamorakawa's majors. A, a guy. Uh, there's a few guys I want to talk about. Then we can go through our picks and, and, and um, you know look forward to a couple other things. But Brooks Kepka, what's your what's your take on on Brooks this week? My take is that Brooks did not play very well, and he still had a chance to win a major championship. And he just didn't play well at all on Sunday. Like the first three days, I think he was fine. I think he was absolutely fine. 
Um, and then Sunday, he didn't play well. He shot 74, finished T29. This is his worst performance in a major in a long, long, long time. I think he was due for one of these. He was going for the three-peat. Didn't happen. I'm a little bit surprised he didn't compete more on Sunday. But, you know, it is what it is. What do you think? I thought for sure Brooks was going to win. I mean, at no point in this tournament until I don't know what happened on Sunday did it did I think he wasn't going to win. Um, I'm just going back through our text messages. I, I sent you a message that said, uh, 90% sure Brooks is winning at this point. And yeah, you said it's, that. It's, it's him or Rose. Uh, this must have been Saturday night. Um, it just looked like he was for sure going to win. I don't know what happened on Sunday, but the one thing I will say, every time I saw him on Saturday, he was like on the ground being stretched out like really intensely by some some guy in between holes. Yeah. And I don't I don't think you do that like just because it feels good. Uh, clearly, there's some sort of issue with his hip or with his knee or, or whatever it is. Um, I don't know if that was a factor or not. But like I said, you don't just have a guy working on you in the middle of your round constantly just because unless there's unless there's some sort of meaningful issue. So we'll see if it impacts him. He's only got two more chances at majors this year. So um, I don't know if it's if it's if it's an injury that's not just going away right away, then the the rapid succession of these majors is not going to benefit him. What did you think about his comments after the third round? Rory made a big deal about it. I, I, I saw it live and thought absolutely nothing of it. And then I think Rory was asked about it and it was made a big deal. So for folks that didn't hear, Amanda Balionis on CBS, she was interviewing all the players after the round. And after the third round, Brooks was right there, shot a two back, and he birdied 18 two consecutive days, feeling pretty good. And she asked how he likes his chances. And he says, well, you look at the guys in the leaderboard. You know, a lot of them haven't won very many majors. You know, I guess you got Rose and DJ up there, but DJ's only won one, um, and I've won a bunch, so I consider myself the favorite. And then it's like, okay, yeah, that sounds like what Brooks would say. And then Rory was asked about that. And then Rory said, i surprised he said that about a guy like DJ who's won three times as many tournaments as him. I think it's much ado about nothing. I think it's just a couple guys who speak honestly, and I hate to say the media, you know, with a capital M media, but I feel like they're really trying to make something out of absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's Brooks being honest. I mean, there's no doubt if his caddy or if his parents or brother asked him that question over a beer on Saturday night, that's not the honest answer. You know, he's like, yeah, uh, I came here expecting to win. I'm right in contention. I mean, what was he like the second or third to last group? two strokes off the lead going into like he's exactly where he wanted to be exactly where he thought he was going to be. Um, so why would he not think he's going to win? So I get how it comes off as, you know, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't bring up other people's names in particular when you're saying why you're going to win, because like only DJ and Justin Rose are chasing me. And like, I don't consider them threats. It's probably a good mindset to have on the course. Maybe not with the media, but that's fine. I have no problem with Brooks being honest and speaking his mind and like starting stuff publicly. That's all good. I think um wasn't a good look the way he played on Sunday, but I don't think he expected to play that way. No, I don't think he did either. And if he came out and won the US Open in six weeks, I don't think anyone would be surprised. So, you know, look, the guy had a bad round of golf. Tiger does that. Anyone can do that. I have no how, concerns about Brooks. How much, how much Tiger did you watch this week? 
A lot. I watched probably his entire round on Friday. My dude just can't putt right now. That's all it is. That's my guy exactly, can't putt. exactly my takeaway. I watched his entire round on Friday. I didn't really see much else of him this week. It looked like he's playing fine, and whatever he shot on Friday, what, two over, could easily have been two or three under. I mean, so many of those putts were just right there on the lip. So could have gone in, just didn't. Um, no cause for concern. Yeah, I mean, that's – when Tiger's peaking, Tiger turns those two over rounds into a three under round. That's what he right. does. And when he wins and competes, that's what he's doing. And he didn't this week, and he didn't compete. That's it. I think that for Tiger, I mean, this was basically a warm-up for him. He hasn't hardly played this year. He played one, like, the Memorial was what now, three or four weeks ago? Yeah, maybe a little more. So, so yeah, so he had a month off heading into this. Um, he's going to play a lot the next two or three months. So hopefully by the time the Masters rolls back around, um, those putts are dropping. Let's hope. November Masters. I can't <sighs> wait. Yeah, I mean, look. We're on the I, same wavelength on that. Yeah, Tiger, I didn't think was – it was fun to watch him late on a Friday. Like, that was a cool way to kick off a weekend, especially with that group. But I don't know. He just, he just it, didn't putt well, man. It was a little anticlimactic when yeah. they spent most of that round talking about the cut line and not, like, the top ten on the leaderboard. Like, it, oh, these guys are these guys thinking about the cut line? I'm like, well – it was really cool, and I'm just going to jump in real quick and do it here because I don't want to forget, but I really enjoyed Scott Van Pelt and David Duvall on ESPN. I thought they were really good. Um, I think you can see why it's important to have a new lead commentator probably every 15 years, I would say, because while Nick Faldo, like, I just don't think – I'm not a fan of his style. I think more important than that, his age. None of the guys on tour he competed against. But when you have David Duvall, who is the same age as Tiger and arguably was the biggest threat to Tiger, even though it was for a very short period of time during his career, everything he says lends a lot of credibility. And I like his style. He's great on the Golf Channel. I thought him and SVP were a great pair. They made Friday fun. Even though it was chasing the cut line and not the leaderboard, I thought it was fun watching those two guys call JT, Rory, and Tiger. Yeah, for sure. I know you're not on the broadcaster. Team, no, so I mean, I did. No, I did enjoy. I, I always enjoy Scott Van Pelt. He he is. He always brings some uh, some personality, some some flavor to whatever he does. He's he's always entertaining. So I, I thought it was good. I, I did enjoy that. But now I don't want to. Don't have anything to elaborate. No, I know. I don't. And you don't have this on your list, so I'm going to sneak him in real quick. But ah. DJ had the outright lead. He did. Outright lead. He is now 0 for 4, attempting to convert 54-hole leads into wins at major championships. Again, 21 tour wins, one major. You're judged by majors. Panic I button. still think he's going to get more majors. He will. I just don't think it's going to be a lot more majors. You think he's going to finish with one? Look at you over there. I don't know. I mean, I was not inspired by what I saw from him yesterday. I mean, he sure, maybe he will get more majors. You're not going to get many better chances than what he had yesterday. I mean, he was in the lead, I think alone in the lead or within or tied or with one stroke lead, teeing off on a par five on the 10th hole on the back nine on Sunday of a major that at that point, he should win that tournament. I know there's a lot of guys who could win it. He should win it. 
he made a couple birdies late, even though he was kind of out of it to finish T2. Pulled out from like 75 yards from the rough on a, on the hole that Colin Morikawa had his drive to seven feet. DJ would have had to have shot 65 to win this tournament outright. 66 gets him in a playoff. He shot 68 two shots back. So I don't want to make it seem like this was a collapse. No. He didn't play great, but he would have had to shoot a really good round with all the lights on him to separate himself. And because well, there were so many great players bunched tightly together, it took a 64 to win. I'm not going to fault him for this one. This is not a DJ collapse. No, it's not a collapse, but he you, he's not going to get much better chances. Like I'm saying, like maybe there'll be that one week where he blows the field out and he's got like a six-stroke lead, but um, you're going to have to convert those. It's not It's not a collapse, but you have to take your opportunity when it presents itself if you're if you're this 20-plus winner on tour. Hey, buddy, speaking of a collapse, uh, Bryson DeChambeau's driver collapsed on Thursday. <laughs> what happened there, man? And by the way, I had no idea. I, I truly thought that because his driver broke, he wasn't going to have a driver the rest of his round. It's like, oh, no, we got like four in the parking lot. Let's just grab another one. Did that surprise you? Well, I was actually I was actually out for a run when you texted me that, mm. and that, and um, so I was expecting to come back and and see him like teeing off with a with a three wood or a four iron on every hole. I didn't know, um, but then you know by the time I got back, he had a new driver, which I think it makes sense if you if your club breaks, but it's not intentional, like you didn't just get pissed off and, and wrap it around a tree. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm kind of surprised the tour wasn't like, no, I think it was intentional. But... I mean, your boy got out to a flying start on the front nine Sunday and kind of felt like he was going to be the guy. And then it just never materialized on the back nine. He could never kind of keep that momentum going. But well, he's having he, a good season. Another he was good two week. under on the back nine. He made two birdies, no bogeys. He never gave anything away. I just think he wasn't going to surpass Colin Morikawa. I, I was impressed with the way he played on Sunday. He kind of played fearless. He did. I mean, look, he was four under through seven. He bogeys eight, nine, which kind of takes some of the steam out of it. Doesn't birdie 10. And to your point, that golf course, so brutal on the back nine. If you're not birdieing 10 and 16 at a minimum, you're kind of shooting yourself out of it. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what to make of Bryson in majors because his his length, his distance is such an advantage. But I felt like I didn't really see him hit a fairway, like almost ever. With the, those first few weeks back when we saw this buff Bryson, we're like, oh, my God. But he was hitting it straight and he was hitting every fairway. But now I feel like he hits it and he has no idea where it's going. And a lot of times he can play it and, and you know save a par and he still sneaks those birdies in there. But he's, he's not usually hitting it that close when he is hitting fairways. And a lot of times he's out of position. So... When he gets to a U.S. Open and that rough is, is you know, you're pitching out sideways, I'm not sure how it's going to fare. But if he's co- up close to the green, then maybe it's not a big deal. I don't know. I mean, Bryson doesn't have a good major record. That was his 15th crack at it. That was his first top 10 in a major. His previous yep. best finish was the 2016 U.S. Open. So his major record leaves a lot to be desired. Of course, that was skinny Bryson. We now have buff Bryson. I'm yeah, curious to Bryson see what he does. Well, dude, that rough was at the PGA, like, it wasn't U.S. Open rough, but it was U.S. Open-like. I'm dying to see if Bryson just tries to pound drivers at a U.S. Open course in Wingfoot. He is still a mysterious freak, and I can't get enough of it. Do you think between now and whenever the U.S. Open is, I think in September, 
he just works on like 30 yard pitch shots out of like oh. insane rough. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, does he just bench press 400 pounds and tries to gain more muscle? <laughs> well, like what does Bryson need to do? Does he need to just like hit it a little bit straighter? Does he need to work on his 25 foot putts? Cause that's what he's faced with a lot. And those are the ones that he was making when he won the rocket mortgage. Does he need to work on his game around the greens? I mean, like what's the one thing that would really let him take advantage of his length? Yeah. You, I mean, you hit it long, Joe. What, what aspect of your game complements the long game in order to take advantage of it? It is 75 to 100 yards, which is the weakness. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'd be very surprised if Bryson ranks high in 50 to 100 yards. It's those touch shots. And while I get that you can be on a track man for full swings and even, you know, taking your club back a little bit less when you want a 90% swing and you can calculate the power at a certain point, you have to have finesse. And Bryson, he made the longest put on tour in, I think, three years in this championship. <laughs> so I'm not going to bag on a short game. He made like a 94-foot putt. I got I to gotta stop you right there. That putt goes in. And Ashley, asks, she always asks the best questions. She asks the best questions when we're watching this. And that putt goes in, and she just goes, is that the longest putt he's ever made? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And then they're like, Hey, it's the longest putt Bryson's ever made on tour. And I'm like, damn, Ash. Put her in the booth already. I know. Tell you, what, you get a trio of SVP, Phil Mickelson, and Ashley. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm watching that golf tournament. No, but look, I really think it's Bryson's wedge game. And even when he won a few weeks ago, he blasts those wedges and he takes just the giant piece of sod and he's putting it 15, 20 feet away. I challenge you to show me Bryson DeChambeau hitting wedges to a couple of inches. He'll do that with seven and six irons from 215 yards. But it's so rare that you see Bryson hit wedge shots very close to the hole. And you make a good point, Nick. It's so cool to hit the ball far. But when you have a 360-yard par four and you hit it 340 yards, sometimes it's harder to hit a 20-yard shot than it is to hit a 100-yard shot especially for someone who is so dialed in with their full swing. So yeah. while it is an advantage, and when he takes advantage of it, it's really cool, I question whether or not he's making more birdies doing it that way. I mean, he, he might be. I, it just feels like a weird way to do it, especially when you have a U.S. Open coming up. Yeah, I'm really fascinated to see what, he, what adjustments he makes for the U.S. Open. And I hate to sound like, you know, old man on my porch, there's no way he can do that at Augusta and compete. There's absolutely no way Bryson DeChambeau is going to hit driver and try to drive these holes that are not designed for 20-yard pitches. At Augusta, you have to be able to put spin on the ball, and I don't think Bryson has the capability to do that from 20, 30 yards away. So, okay, right now, your pick, Bryson top 10 at the Masters, you're saying you would say no? I would say no. Yeah. Here's... Here's Bryson's career at the Masters. 21st, 38, 29th. Well, I don't think it suits Did he him. not, am I, am I thinking of somebody else, did he not finish really high as an amateur one year in a major? No. No, you're thinking of someone else. Yeah. Even as an amateur, Bryson never really did anything. He wasn't one of those guys that like, like Justin Rose finished fourth at the British Open when he was 16. One of those guys. He never had that kind of finish. I don't think that course 
is well suited to his game, even though Ashley, he does make 94 foot putts occasionally. All right. Let's get into our picks. We had a, a, yeah, I think, I think we had a really good 35 minute episode somewhere in that really drunken hour long episode. That was a disaster. I was embarrassed listening no, back to that thing. No Holy more cow. Saturday. No more Saturday night. No. Uh, when we're scheduling we the pod it. and it's noon and I'm like, hey, I just cracked my second beer. And, and the plan is to do it at 930 that night. Maybe just like we do it the next day or something. So anyways, we did make some pretty educated picks. We did so we, well. we did our we did our work ahead of time, which was nice. Um, I'm just gonna go from bottom to top. Um, I had Jordan Spieth. First of all, we picked five different guys between our six picks: our sleeper, our contender, and our uh, and our winners. We both picked the same winner. Um, my my dark horse. I am assuming it was my dark horse. Was no, this is my contender. Was Jordan Spieth. Um, he made the cut on the number. He he was it was a very Jordan Spieth week. Um he finished hyper seventy first plus four. Uh Joe, By the you way, were, yep. sorry, just to interrupt. I'm totally off Jordan Spieth. I I've I've been defending him. I'm totally off him. The whole we stuff, I can't take it anymore. Dude hasn't hasn't won in a while. I'm totally off Jordan Spieth. I'm off I'm off him for now. I mean, I've never really been on him, but <laughs> I do believe he will reappear, even if it's just a flash. Like I, I oh, feel I like he'll he'll win. If he gets another major, I wouldn't be shocked. There was a time watching him win, I want to say the twenty seventeen British Open, I didn't know if he was ever not gonna win a tournament again. Just going going through that whole nonsense where he took like a twenty minutes to drop it on the other side of the driving range at the British Open, I was so pissed. I did not want him to win, and I just knew for a fact, no matter what, he was winning that tournament. And and of yeah, course, yeah, he Nick, did. Here's the thing with Jordan Spieth. Just to jump in real quick, and then I'll be done with Jordan Spieth. Since his win at the Open Championship, where everyone says he's in this gigantic drought, he finished in 2018. He finished third at the Masters, T ninth at the Open Championship. Last year, he almost won the PGA Championship. He finished tied for third in that tournament. So I agree, Spieth could be someone who, you know, finishes out of the FedEx Cup playoffs and still competes for majors and has chances to win. Okay. Webb Simpson, I don't know how this guy didn't win. We both had him. We were both positive he was going to win. He did finish under par, tied for 37th, one under. Uh, Didn't see too much of him. (laughs) Made a little run on Saturday. I was very excited on Sunday. Easy. On Sunday, he was tied for it. He went out and made three quick birdies. And I was very excited about his prospects to shoot like a 61 and post something early. Never happened. Shot over par. T37. Our winner didn't do it, Nick. No. Um, Brooks Kepka, your contender. Don't know why I let you get away with the two-time defending champ as a contender pick. Um but he was a contender. It's exactly what he was. He, he contended for most of the week. He uh, did not perform on Sunday. Tied for 29th, three under par. Um, disappointing finish for, for Brooks. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, nothing else you can say about it. Disappointing that he wins the U.S. Open. <laughs> we'll see. Tony Finau it was an interesting pick because he's won once. He's always on the leaderboard. He's, he's always in the top ten. Not really winning. He was in the lead, or at least tied for the lead, on the back nine on Sunday. Uh, he finished tied for fourth. Great, uh, A great finish for him. It's got to be something he's really, you know, a, a huge positive for him. Ten under par, three shots off the lead. That's a good pick, Joe. 
Yeah, thanks. Here's a dubious stat. Um, you don't want to pick him to win majors, but like you pointed out in our PGA Championship preview, you probably want to pick him to finish in the top 10. Here's something from Justin Ray. His 31 top 10 finishes in the PGA Tour over the last four seasons is 15 more than any other player without a win during well, that Without a win, yeah, that's huge. Because everybody else who's finishing in the top 10 every week gets a, a win every one, at least one win. They sneak one out. I, I still think Finau is going to find a way to get it done. He's, you can't but be you're around saying, the— You just say he had 31 top 10 finishes without a win? 31 top 10 finishes over the four last four seasons without a win. And he's also finished top five in all four major championships now. So he, he is he is up there. He finished T4. I'm willing to bet Tony Fino wins a major the next two years. He's my new Ricky Fowler. All right. All right. Fair, fair enough. And then my dark horse, Colin Morikawa, he finished 13 under par, two clear of the lead. You got the term boys do it again. I mean, I hate to brag, but I mean, it's pretty much every major where we're handpicking the winner for you. Um, the first of many, and basically my pick was this. I feel like Kyle Morikawa is going to have two to three to four majors in his career. This felt like a good, a good one for him to get. So I picked him. Yeah, I mean, he, he went to Berkeley, familiar with this course. He's been playing like a stud. He shot the lowest 36 holes in major championship golf history. He I was, mean, what, what, what he can was you say? Two under par going into the weekend. He probably only made the cut by a few shots. What was the cut? Plus one? Yeah. And he was two under after Friday. So he went, he went 69, 69, 65, 64. So great More weekend kid. for him. Yeah. He wasn't someone that we were even talking a lot about on the broadcast until he basically got within one shot of the lead. He wasn't someone that we were discussing. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I guess Morikawa's going to win the PGA Championship. Well, a lot of his run started on the last four holes on Saturday. So he birdied three of the last four holes on Saturday to really get into contention. So he wouldn't have really been a factor most of the day Saturday. And then Sunday, there was so many people on that leaderboard that it was hard to kind of sift through who was going to rise to the top until until late. Yeah, bro. He played the last 22 holes of the tournament, bogey-free and nine under, which is pretty good for majors, I think. It's a good way to close it out. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Those are our picks. Nick, I love this golf course. I love TPC Harding Park. The layout was incredible. I loved that it was a – it sounds so cliche, but it truly was a major championship setup. I love hole 16. I love the difficulty of nine and ten. 10, which was really fun because guys were on split tees. So some of them had to finish on nine. You're like, okay, can hang on. It's the most difficult hole in the course. Then you know you got to get 10. 16 is this drivable hole. 18, very difficult tee shot, tough to make a par. I feel like it's one of those courses that I learned so much about just watching it for a couple of days. And it has such a familiar, cool feel. They got like not a lot of trees, but somehow your ball can get stuck in the trees too. <laughs> A lot of balls have hit the trees and not come down. I'm like, that sucks. Imagine That's, being in a major championship oh and your ball God. is stuck in a tree. Yeah. Uh, imagine if that happened a to, like, plus. Patrick Reed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I kept Bro. wondering, and I, I don't know how, if this is overrated or not. I think it's awesome that it's a Muni. I, I mean, that, like, I that thought it. was always resonating in my mind. Like, this is a Muni. And I kept, every time you were, like, 
would text me something about the course, I'm like, when are you going to go play it? Like, what is it, a five-hour drive? Like, there's no doubt you're going to go play it sometime. Five-hour five drive, I'm still in the state of Oregon. But, yes, your point <laughs> is valid. I think it would be a lot of fun to check that place out. And, I mean, look, I spent 58 drunken minutes dumping on the PGA Championship. And while no PGA pros made the cut, I'm here to say it was an A-plus PGA Championship. This is my favorite PGA Championship since 2000 Valhalla, arguably the greatest major ever, where Tiger Woods and Bob May were in a playoff. This was an A+. And it's not just because we haven't had one. The quality of field that rose to the top, a very appropriate champion, awesome golf course. I thought the broadcasts were great. I really enjoyed the late tee-offs for Pacific Mm, Time. The primetime golf, I loved it. Did you oh, like I, it on the East Coast? Oh, I was going to ask I loved you. It. No, I absolutely love it. I mean, to come home and have, like, I can do whatever I want during the day. I can play golf. I can, I can do all my chores. I can mow the lawn. Whatever it is. And then come back, crack a beer at 6 o'clock at night on a Friday or Saturday. And, like, important golfers are two holes into a major championship round. Like, the next three hours, I'm just chilling on the couch, drinking beer, watching the PGA Championship. No, I love that. Yeah, I mean, the no fans thing I've gotten used to in golf. It is very strange in other sports. Baseball is the most bizarre. Basketball is kind of weird, but they've sort of figured it out. Golf, I get it. It's probably weird for the players. They may feed off the crowd a little bit, but at home, doesn't make a difference to me. This Not felt like a major totally. championship to me still. For sure. Hi, Joe. We, we are getting uh, screwed out of one major this year. There's no British Open this year. We have two majors left. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to? Did anybody kind of pique your interest that you want to keep your eye on? Or what? I mean, what's, what are your thoughts as we have a U.S. Open in September and a Masters in November? Yeah, I think you really got to look out for Scotty Scheffler at uh, the U.S. Open and Augusta. I think he is uh, – this is a joke, Nick. You don't have to worry about Scotty Scheffler. He's uh, – <laughs> He's not going to be in there. Uh, I think Justin Rose, like, again, I I saw him hit one shot. It was his tee shot on one, and it was the most pure, beautiful strike of a golf ball, and it was the most boring thing I've ever seen in the world. No one makes greatness look more boring than Justin Rose. You know, It's just a testament to his golf game. Jason Day was someone who I had in the back of my head as maybe contending this week that I didn't talk about on the podcast. He ended up doing that. But I really think Justin Rose is going to be someone who competes at both the U.S. Open and the Masters. He's just so consistent, man. There's no getting around how consistent he is. Obviously, Bryson, um, Rory, I I don't know what's going on there, man. But Mm -hmm. I think you could probably pick any one of the guys up there. Matthew Wolf had a cool Sunday. That was fun. Um, Justin Rose. Justin Rose, I think, is going to compete and probably win one of the two majors. He's too talented of a player to only have one major in his career. And he's too, like, cerebral, right? Like, he's just kind of always there. He won the Olympic gold medal. He's going to be one of the guys that I'm really looking for at Wingfoot and definitely Augusta. Yeah, I think think the thing that I realized is I need to figure out who is going to win majors better. And, like... I, I, I know the winner. I know that, that is true. Uh, other than that, though, but what I mean is like I go into these major championship preps and I'm like, the guys who hit fairways are going to win majors. 
And I, for some reason, I have that in my mind. I'm like, the U.S. Open, you have to hit fairways because the rough is so penal. But, like, I need to get out of that. I need to expand yeah. my thinking. And so heading into Wingfoot, I'm really going to, like, learn something about the course. I'm going to really – I just want to figure out, like, what it takes and, and who's got it. And because uh, there's so many different styles of players out there who are playing well right now. I mean, like, there's the Brooks, Bryson, DJs. Colin Morikawa is nothing like those guys. Justin Rose is nothing like those. Webb Simpson is nothing like those guys. But all of them make it work. Also, if you're listening to this pretty soon after the PGA Championship, put every ounce of money you have on Webb Simpson to win the Wyndham Championship. Like, I've never been more sure. It's probably like two to one. Take Webb Simpson versus the field. It's it's the classic Webb Simpson win this tournament by eight shots. I'm telling you, take it to the bank. But Nick... Your point is valid because we tend to look at the hot players going into a major instead of just pulling back and saying, okay, who are the best players in the world? Like, was it that hard to see that DJ was going to compete, that Bryson was going to compete? Of course, Tony Finau was going to be in the leaderboard and not win. Cameron Champ, he also strikes me as a guy like, if he gets on a roll at Augusta, that guy could shoot 62 out there. Like, (laughs) nothing. I mean... A lot of these players in this leaderboard are the guys you expect to have up there. And if you just stay with the best players in the world, they're going to compete at the most difficult majors every single year. Yeah. Well, we got two left, uh, a big void in between, you know, they're going to, they're going to fill it with the FedEx cup playoffs. I think Tiger will probably play two of those events, Um, you know, but then we've got a couple majors left on the docket. So I'm excited for the next two months, three months. I am too. We still have some golf season left. And if you are trying to hit more greens, Nick, tell them how they do it. Precision Pro Rangefinders. Yeah. Promo code TURN10. Turn 10 to save $10 off any rangefinder at precisionprogolf.com. They've got all all kinds of new rangefinders out there. The NX9 Slope is the one to get. Um, if you're like, well, I can't use slope in my tournaments, they've got tournament mode. You just hit the button, takes the slope off. When you're out there playing with your buddies, you get the slope, all that extra information. It's got a magnet, sticks to your cart. Joe, do you know that Precision Pro offers free battery replacement for life? For how long? Life. What? That's a long time. Holy cow, buddy. I got to get me one of those. For sure. So precisionprogolf.com, promo code TURN10. You're going to save $10 on any rangefinder. Hey, Nick, I got a little bit of, uh, of, of news for you. I'm going to play a U.S. Open venue in uh, 10 days. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, I'm headed up to Chambers. It's going to say Chambers Bay. I'm going to take it on. Hopefully my putting, this is the second time I'm going to do it. My putting absolutely fell apart. I was about to break 80 out there, and it got in my head like, oh, guess who didn't break 80 out here? Tiger Woods. And then, of course, I didn't do it, and it was a disaster. But I'm very excited. should be a lot of fun. I guess the greens are rolling well, so we can talk about that. What's your expectation? To... Or do you have a goal, like a goal score? No. Honestly, I paper? don't. My handicap has gone up three strokes over the summer. Um, I have no explanation for it. My golf game is... Really, really good. Like, I'd be the best. I'm making tons of birdies, and I can't break 85. It's very annoying right now. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I went out and played nine holes the other day, and oh. 
I, w- I was getting a little fed up with my game, and I said, I left, the, I left the house, I have one beer in the fridge. I said, if I don't shoot 45 or better, I'm not stocking up beers. I'm going to go dry all weekend. I went out and shot 44. Brought home 24 <laughs> beers. Drank and watched the, the PGA Championship all weekend. It was glorious. You're just going to have stuff done on the line, Nikki. For that's sure. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Should we tie a bow on it? Are we done? Yeah, that's it. Congrats to Colin Morikawa, your 2020 PGA Champion. I guess we'll talk between now and the U.S. Open. That's, that's a long time. we got to come back before that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be back a few times. All right, everybody, enjoy yourself. Hit them straight. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.